everyone and welcome to Business of Building. I'm here with Caleb Parker. Caleb is an American entrepreneur based in London. He's the founder of Bold, a space as a service brand acquired in 2019 by Newflex. Bold just opened a community for entrepreneurs, innovators and fast-growing companies in Manchester. England and we're recording this podcast in exchange a white label community in partnership with AXA IM at 22 Bishopsgate London. Caleb hosts the award-winning #workboldpodcast so he is a fellow podcaster although he's in the 6th season and I'm in my first season so I have plenty to learn from him. He chats about leaders on this podcast in office real estate about the future of work and space as service. He's one of the first licensed commercial real estate agents to speak on the flexible working trends and the rise of flexible workspace and has been quoted in numerous publications and serves on the EG Technology Advisory Board. I mean I'm just so excited to discuss work space environment in today's world space as service and what do we have to look out for in this real estate and what is changing and what the trends are really excited so let's dive in I'm here with Caleb Parker. Thank you so much Caleb for joining us today and a big thank you for letting me use your podcast studio at the exchange at 22 Bishop Gate. It's it's absolutely brilliant. It's just one of the traditional things I do. Uh what has your journey been like today? And I'll I'll uh, talk to the listeners about my journey and my introduction to Caleb uh and how that happened and how it transitioned into uh where we are today. But how how did you transition into what we are doing here today at the exchange at bold you're a speaker you're host of work bold podcast i have a lot to learn from you uh in the podcasting world uh he has already taught me a few things uh you're an entrepreneur uh you're a ceo first licensed commercial real estate agent to speak on flexible working trends how did it all start gosh um well we can go way back if you want or yes, please <laughs> Um well first thank thank you for for being here and certainly glad, glad to, great to have you at at exchange and it was a brilliant meeting you a few weeks ago um in in our conversation since um it's a privilege to be having this conversation with you today so thank, thank you. you um gosh i i guess the, if i could do some quick summary and and happy to dive in anywhere where you want to but i uh, started my career in in hospitality um and when i was in, in high school i was working at a front desk of a hotel um and was in hospitality for a while got the entrepreneurship bug when i was 19 years old when i was at uni um and when i got into this industry commercial real estate or office real estate i'd left my hometown of savannah georgia where i had a couple of small businesses um in the hospitality industry and got into commercial real estate on the management team with Regis in Washington DC. And at that time, uh I had never heard of the, of the flexible office industry before, much less space as a service. I don't even think that uh phrase was coined yet. And um I fell in love with how we support entrepreneurs because of my entrepreneurship bug uh in in I just I just love um the fact that entrepreneurs are the ones that sort of if you look back at history, everything that we have today, modern conveniences is because someone stood up and said there's got to be a better way and and I've often look at the world that way and try to find solutions to problems and um our industry the flex office industry enables entrepreneurs gives them flexibility to be able to um solve those problems faster so my journey since those days back in DC 
Um, I've, I've been in different vehicles, but my mission has been the same to support and champion entrepreneurs and making real estate easier for, for that entrepreneur journey. It's fantastic. And then how did the DC world come into UK world, as it were? <laughs> And your journey through Flex as well, how the bold uh, brand started, if you would just touch on those points. Sure, of course. Well, in, in, when I was in Washington, D.C., when I left Regis in 2008, I set up a, my own um, Flex um, consulting company, Flex office consulting so company. Uh, call it a brokerage, if you would. Um, and we supported a lot of um, uh, entrepreneurs and SMEs that were trying to solve for the fact that they had this technology now called Skype, and, and Google Drive that allowed them to um, continue doing their work from home. And a lot of the folks we were talking to were questioning why they needed an office. Hmm. This was, you know, over 10 years ago. And, you know, used to be that when you set up a company, the first thing you thought about is where am I going to get my office, where am I going to base myself? And these folks were saying, well, do I really need an office? So we were helping them. Sir? Sorry, it's, it's also this drive for a pure box kind of thing isn't it you need to have a footprint in a good location for someone who is starting a business and then your client looks at it perhaps and is was that one of the reasons as well they were looking for offices well it's it's there's this whole entrepreneur thing about fake it till you make it um because when you're starting you know you're, you're basically you have this problem you're trying to solve for whatever market and um you you need to show that you're credible and you can look on your LinkedIn and see what you've done, but you know most people recognize credibility by you know what floor and what amazing building you're in. Mm -hmm. That's the old business way, old way of doing business. Hundred percent, yeah. So I learned I learned that the flex office world was a great way to help entrepreneurs. So I set up my brokerage to be able to help those entrepreneurs find the right solution for them. Mm -hmm. And one day I had this customer call me up and said, you know, Caleb, I'm used to have 20 employees. This was after the global financial mm -hmm. crisis, right? So he said, I used to have 20 employees and we've downsized to five people now. We've mm -hmm. shrunk our office space down to um, one office um, and we're paying like 3,000 pounds a month for it. But we're never really in the office. You know, we're only mm -hmm. in the office to meet together sometimes mm -hmm. uh, and, and for client meetings because they were able to work remotely again over a decade ago. And he was looking for a solution that he didn't have to pay 3,000 pounds a month. And so uh, we ended up getting him on a package plan with one of the uh, flex operators in the D.C. metro area that allowed him to save 90%. So he just booked an office when he had his meetings, which turned out to be about 20 hours a month. He was using the office 20 hours a month for meetings, and but it was sitting empty the rest of the time. So we got rid of that office, got him on a plan where he can book it on demand, and that was my light bulb moment. Uh, one of my colleagues in my flex brokerage and I were talking, and we say we need to create a way that people can do this easier. So um, if I sort of skip over some details and go highlights here, yeah. we uh, raised a little bit of capital and launched an app called Touchdown Space at the time where people could book spaces on demand. And like an Uber for office space. Absolutely. That, okay. uh, we, were, we were actually looking at Uber at the time because they were oh, just were launching you? in D.C. and, um, you know, getting, getting started. Certainly, Uber's had a much, uh, <laughs> much more skyrocket and rocket fuel than we did. Different uh, trajectory. Different trajectory. But um, the, the concept that was that people could pull out their phone and, and, and book a place when they needed it. And um, what I didn't know is that in the West Coast, there was a guy by the name of Mark Gilbreth who was um, building out liquid space. 
and he raised a lot more money than we did. Um, but we learned a lot during that process, and that brought me over to um, it, it, it introduced me to the folks at um, Search Office Space. I came over to, to London um, to help set up uh, MeetingRooms.com, where I was the CEO for three years. Um, and then I exited there and set up Bold. And then what's the journey been like for Bold? Because we have gone through, I mean, uh, that kind of brings me to one of the other questions I wanted to ask you as well. You know, you have built this brand. And one of the first things I remember about you is that T-shirt, the Bold <laughs> T-shirt. It's like the Superman kind of moment you have on your LinkedIn profile page as well. How how does one go about building a brand like Bold? Um, you know, there are several people who want to have that presence and what would be your advice for that? I think, um, you know, building a brand, what is a brand? A brand is an idea. Uh, a brand is an idea that, that people uh, align with and, uh, and believe in. And then if you have an idea that you believe in and you go out and you talk about that and that is your core value and you build a business around that idea, then you'll attract people who also believe in that core value. It's a like-mindedness, isn't it? It is, it is. And, um, you know, certainly logos and, you know, images all help reinforce that, and um, it gives it an identity. But the brand itself is, it starts with the idea. And, And I think... For me, when we were thinking about bold, continuing on this journey as an, as an entrepreneur, what do I, number one, what do I need as an entrepreneur? I know, I knew at the time, 2016, mm-hmm. I didn't need an office space anymore. I could do my work from home. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I did need a place that I could meet people. I did want a place where I could plug in and be around other people that sort of felt like me, places where I felt like I belonged, and was around other people. Could We'll come back on that point again <laughs> as well. Sorry. Yeah. A place where I felt like I could be inspired by, you know, other people that were sort of had the growth mindset like I felt I did. So I thought really hard about what an experience would look like for me in my entrepreneurial journey. What would I need? Mm -hmm. And so I went out and built, uh, created an an experience, a workplace experience that that, that people, that I and other people like me could tap into uh, on demand and not have to sign up to a long lease. But then also, that's sort of the practical side of things. But on the brand side of things, I believed in challenging the status quo and you know, looking at the world and saying, okay, here are the problems in the world. How can we make a positive impact? What can we do to challenge the old way of thinking and, and make things better? Offices are very traditional in UK, aren't they? So, so here is someone coming and challenging it. Is that, was that easy? Was that difficult? Well, I mean, it's certainly, I don't think, I think any, any entrepreneur that's challenging the old ways wouldn't say it's easy for sure. No. Um, it, it, I guess it gets less difficult over time. And if you're onto something where, if you're right about something and you keep persistent at it, um, then uh, time will tell if you're right. And if you are right, uh, then people will get on board. Um, so it's the persistence piece that, that matters. And I think the brand aspect of, you know, calling it bold. Mm-hmm. Um, I just was talking to my designer one day and said we hadn't come up with a name for this. And we were talking about the people we wanted to serve, people that we wanted to surround ourselves with. Mm-hmm. And he said, you're saying they're bold people. Why don't we just call it bold? I was like, 
what a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to say uh, there was a better story behind that, but no, it's you know, a good enough story. Th- that, yeah. That's how we came up with, the, with it was, it's really naming the brand after our, our, our customers or you know who we want to do business with. Which is again, as you said, isn't it? It's like the DNA which runs through the runs through the band is what you associated with more. I mean, space as a service as a term. What are your thoughts on it? Because it gets talked about quite a lot, and um, it's it's something which is come across even more so since coming back from COVID, as it were. So what are your thoughts on it? How does it embody in the work you're doing right now for our listeners to understand? Well, I think first of all, if we talk about as a service and what that's meant, uh, mm-hmm. if, you, if you rewind a couple of decades, um, the as a service uh, was associated with software because before uh, Amazon Web Services and, 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 and their competitors now, in order to have your, your servers, uh, you would have them on site on, in your office space uh, if you if you needed to have you know more data and, and faster processing speeds, um, you would continue uh, buying more and more servers, hardware on your on on site. And then they went to colocation and stuff like that. But I think the as a service mon- uh, concept of being able to spin up a new server on demand mm-hmm. um, is where it started. In in my view, this whole move to as a service. And now today, um, we don't have to you know, own. DVDs or CDs anymore because we can stream our music on demand. Any music, any song we want to hear. Yeah. Um, Airbnb. Airbnb. We don't have to have a holiday home no. <laughs> timeshare. We can tap into anyone around the world. We're not limited to just one, one. holiday vacation location. Same with Netflix mm-hmm. and, you know, just everything's on demand. And so the idea is that for space as a service is, is that um, you're able to tap into the exact experience uh, the exact workplace experience that you need, the exact uh, environment that you need on demand for that particular time you need it. You don't have to sign up at one location for 20 years and pay lots of money for a white box that you make it your own and you brand it your own because there's lots of branded options out there that you can tap into on demand. That's what Spaces of Service is. Thank you for that. That was very enlightening, especially talking about what it meant 20 years ago, as you said. Um, is hospitality a part of it as well? Because one of the it's difficult to say it's a trend, but it's just an observation, as I would call it for me personally, would be I see different parts of our life merging. Um, I see uh, it's, it's like galaxies colliding with each other in my head if I have to give a vision to it. My work is colliding with my personal life, is colliding with going to a gym, for example. My gym gives a flexible working space where I can go and work and then do a bit of workout, whereas my workspace will provide an amazing coffee and a pool table, and not that I'm interested in pool table coffee, bring it on kind of thing but I uh, it's it's is that an element as well which is included in that thought process where the environment which you alluded to earlier creating that environment is that a part and again I wanted to come back to something you said earlier your career started with hospitality does that strain come into that to offer that to your clients as well it's interesting to think about because in the hospitality industry you have so many different experiences, so many different brands. One brand, Marriott, or one company, Marriott, has, I don't know, 17 or 27, however many brands they yes. have. <laughs> and 
And why is that? Because if you ask 100 different people for their opinion, you're going to get 100 different opinions. And there's a reason why we have lots of flavors <laughs> when we go get the you know, gelato or you know, lots of colors in the, in the crayon box. But hospitality, to me, it's, it's about taking care of people. And the fact that you have so many different desires and opinions from people, what makes them feel taken care of in space as a service it's important to think about specifically who your customer is. Mm-hmm. Same thing with creating a brand. Who is your customer and build an experience for them? And hospitality is certainly part of it. I, I say there's five pillars of space as a service. Hospitality is one of those pillars. So yeah, I think in, in my experience in the hotel industry and in the hospitality industry, um, you know, we certainly started with, with IHG and there was a, a delivery of hospitality there that sort of is ingrained in me from then. but. I think that in the space as a service world, there's a lot of people who want to deploy space as a service, but they don't think about the hospitality, or they try to provide a bland, generic experience that everybody can use, but they don't think about how they customize that for someone. Mm. Which is quite interesting because uh, one of the one of the bits for the listeners would be I I came here to listened to an event which was organized in exchange um, and I met you at the event actually and I was really impressed by the space so that was the first tick for me then I spoke to you and really enjoyed speaking and uh, you know it was a good vibe uh, second tick uh, that I liked the people and then it was just the understanding I was invited to further more events since then and it, it was it was quite incredible that there was a community which kind of catered to what I need um, to grow, to learn, um, that, that you know I could come here, spend time, work, and meet new people who are in the same industry or you know related industries, but with a similar kind of thinking, and also learn because there are these amazing talks happening, there are industry leaders coming and sharing their thoughts. So that converted me from being just you know, experiencing the space to being a member here in a matter of four weeks. So job well done, I say. But is community, creating that community spirit, has that been a part of the agenda um, here or was that very organic which happened? Because you have got some really nice curated experiences here for the members. So how does that work? It's a, it's a good question and a great observation. Community is another one of the pillars of Spaces of Service. You have hospitality, community. And, and that th- to me, like I think about community, um, going back to what I said about brand and creating an experience for someone. And you think about, okay, who, who is my customer? And you create an experience for them. You deliver the hospitality so they feel taken care of. And if you do that, you're going to attract people that feel like they belong in that experience. And when you attract people that feel like they belong in that experience, then they're going to get along with the other people that are attracted because they have a similar mindset. Uh, here at Exchange and, uh, and across our bold portfolio, we are building experiences for entrepreneurs and innovators. A lot of times I get asked, well, who's your customer profile? Who, what sectors do you target? And we always say we're not a sector-specific company. We're, we're a mindset-specific company. That's beautifully put. Thank you. And it's, it's all about the growth mindset. Uh, because you know, going back to the early days of this, and I was thinking about myself, what would I need? And um, you know, as an entrepreneur, I'm always hungry to learn and um, and to meet other people who feel the same. So what is going to stimulate someone 
with a growth mindset. So we want to, the event you came to um, was with EG. Yeah. Uh, EG was talking about sustainability and property. It's yeah. a lot of Prop tech, inno- yeah. innovation in this area, right? Or the built environment. Um, and so we think it's a big intellectual challenge for us to think about, okay, how can we create a program of events and content that innovators um, and people who are really thinking about the problems of the world, uh, it's going to excite them. It's going to make them want to, to be part of. Um, and we don't do that alone, of course. It's, uh, it takes a village and the ecosystem that we curate. It's important for us to bring in partners who are aligned with this ethos of growth mindset. So I feel privileged to be a part of it. Thank you for making me feel Well, we feel so privileged welcome. to have you here. <laughs> With open arms, it was very seamless, the whole experience. So, yeah, um, if I may say so. I guess uh, one of the last questions we have for any of our guests is, um, what is the biggest risk you have taken? And do you have any learnings you have had since which you would like to share with our listeners? Ooh, well, um, I think we take risks every day. Um, there's certainly some are bigger than others. And um, probably the first, the first biggest risk that I took in my life was uh, leaving everything behind in the U.S. and moving over here to the U.K. in 2013. Um, I sort of shared some of that story earlier. And I would say the, the, the most recent big risk was in 2019 when we decided to partner up and join up with NewFlex in the, the biggest risk there was we, we had all this vision for Bold and the experience and the brand, and we were joining a group that had multiple brands, and w- would, would they enable us to fulfill our vision of the brand? Would it be uh, diluted in some way? Lots of reasons to, to partner up with NewFlex, and all of those reasons have come true. Um, and the risks and the fears that we had uh, at the time of what might go wrong hasn't gone wrong. Um, so it was a good decision, I think, to date, <laughs> you know, I always say, you know, uh, you, you never know about things, good and bad. So uh, n- never, never get too excited about good stuff and never get too down in the dumps on the bad stuff. Which is quite nice, which is you're not going to the peaks and troughs. You're trying to keep the steady state, which, which is what your learning was, perhaps, to kind of learn from that. Yeah, I think it's about it's about balance. You know, you, you have to as an entrepreneur there's, there's a lot of talk about the stress that entrepreneurs are under CEO C levels are under and, and 100% that stress is there you have to uh, moderate that um, and, and sort of reg- self-regulate by learning to improve your EQ your emotional intelligence and it's a forever learning experience you know, some days are better than others um, but if you don't you let yourself get excited but don't let it stay there for too long because you're going to get knocked down sometime soon. But when you get knocked down, don't worry because you're going to have another win soon. Which is fantastic way of putting it. It's also the thing as well, isn't it? Um, it's when you're passionate about something, sometimes you just go for it and you don't have to wait. I am certainly like that where the passion drives me. And then, yes, there is. I'm looking for that balance all the time. And who isn't, I suppose. But you know that sometimes it's going to be more when you have something which is so exciting and so aligned with what you want to achieve. And sometimes you have the really relaxed times. So, yeah, it's it's kind of because I get asked quite a lot about how do I have the work-life balance. So is that something <laughs> you get asked as well? I would say I don't subscribe to work-life balance too much. I'm more of a work-life blend. And because I'm always on, I do schedule times where I'm not always on, but I'm still on in the background. background. 
And, um, you know, I, I don't fully untether from, from work, but I go on holiday. I'm still checking my emails. But that, what I've learned is by checking my emails in the morning or in the evenings, instead of coming back on day one from holiday to a thousand emails, I've been able to sort of stay in the loop a little bit and I don't get stressed out. Do you allocate some time as well? We do that on holiday, having that one hour in the morning each one of us gets to just make sure nothing is too urgent. And is that a um, bit about entrepreneurship, perhaps, isn't it? That that you, you're not able to, and it's not good or bad, I'm not prescribing it, sure. but it's it's just something that you know that you you are the last person who has to deliver anyways so it, it kind of falls on you on your shoulder in a way which is a great responsibility it, it is I, th- I think a lot of us a lot of us entrepreneurs feel that way and I imagine a world one day where more people can align their passion with their income and um, when you do that it does it feel like it's work and so even though you're working you don't feel like you're working but there I think all of us are looking <laughs> for that right <laughs> well um, in some days it does feel like working don't get me wrong but you know I think that passion is what drives you and in it sometimes it drives you to be very optimistic and, and go for things and, and take some risk which is why it's important to have someone on your team or a co-founder or you know a partner who is is able to balance you out and can see be the realist when we get really excited about stuff no well thank you so much Caleb this was absolutely incredible and I'm sure the listeners will get plenty of nuggets to um, look into the world of office space as service and yeah look into entrepreneurship and definitely exchange uh, if you're looking for office spaces in Bishopsgate thank thank you so much much. really appreciate you being here Caleb thank you so much for your time today and allowing us to record our session in exchange in 22 Bishopsgate. It was brilliant, learned so much and I'm sure our listeners have as well. To our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in today for Business of Building. Please rate and review and share with your friends and colleagues.